tyranny, tyranny, and more tyranny. That's what we get from the Jews, folks. Uh, today we're going to be exposing more about the 1919 military report on the protocols. Uh, today will be part four, probably our final episode in this matter. And we're going to be doing a, a quick intro with Ma about Max Warburg from the Jewish Virtual Library which beyond anything else, even though they don't admit all the activities of the Warburg brothers, it does demonstrate the immense power and high ranking in the various countries, the Warburg, Felix in America, Max in Germany, and I forget where Otto was, but probably also in Germany. But it shows the power of Jewish bankers, uh, but they never talk about the uh, subversive activities, obviously of these Jewish bankers. And oh, and before I forget, it looks like in the next two weekends, I'm not going to be able to do any live shows because I'm going to be in Texas uh, next weekend. And then at the uh, conference, uh, Pastor Ramsey's conference on October 1st through the 3rd. And I'm just going to be really busy uh, you know, working at those conferences that I won't be able to do any live shows. If I can, I'll squeeze one in from Texas. But uh, certainly in, uh, in Missouri, I'm not going to be able to, uh, it's just going to be too busy. And I won't be able to do any live shows for the so next two weekends. There won't be any live shows. I'll, I'll fill in the live programming as needed. And so, uh, Brother Michael, how are you today? I'm doing uh, very good here in, uh, in a bit gray, gray, gray Sweden. But though now they are saying that they are oh, opening up everything again. But, oh, really? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they say, but I, I guess they are doing this just in time of when the when the flu season starts again. So I, I think they are going to be very fast. Oh, look, it doesn't work to open it up. And then they shut everything down. Yeah, they might just do that again, right? It's, it's on again, off again, <laughs> Finnegan, as the old saying goes, right? So, uh, okay, so uh, we want to demonstrate to the audience that... The, the Warburgs, the Jewish bankers, three brothers, had, had immense power globally. And uh, the Jewish Virtual Library admits it, but they downplay it, of course. And so uh, go ahead and pick it up from the Jewish Virtual Library, please. Okay, so here we have uh, Max M. Warburg. So, Warburg, Max M, bracket, 1867 until 1946. A German banker, his family, the Warburgs, had been successful in private banking for more than a generation. After studying businesses in Germany, Great Britain, and the Netherlands, Warburg worked in his family, family's M.M. Warburg Bank in Hamburg. He became one of the leading personalities in late imperial German Germany concerning international uh, industrial banking. Oh, they're so persecuted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's sit at the top. Yeah. Um, interested in the welfare of the Reich. Hmm. <laughs> he concentrates on colonial affairs. From 1903, he was a member of the Hamburg Parliament. In the same year, he became one of the rare Jews who um, could directly contact German Emperor William II. Oh, they have the Emperor's ear, as we have heard. Through, he followed the path of 
uh, accuration um, Robert was a member of the Jewish community in Hamburg compared to his elder brother, the famous art historian A.B. Warburg, who agreed with his younger brother uh, to forego leading the family bank. So, uh, always receiving enough money to buy uh, books for his library, Max M. Warburg uh, developed a more uncomplicated uh, and direct relation toward his own Jewishness. During World War One, where Warburg was, together with Albert Balin, one of the main promoters and founders uh, of the uh, Reichenkauf. Reichseinkauf, uh, later Zentraleinkaufsgesellschaft, or the purchasing, the, the purchasing agent for the Reich. Okay, and the Gesellschaft is a trade union, so uh, it definitely uh, had had to be very high up there in order to uh, had the uh, purchasing power of Germany. Okay, back to you. Yeah, and this is typical. Yeah, I guess communists is Jew. They want to centralize stuff and have it centralized, always right. centralized. Mm -hmm. That is not good. That is of the devil. Um, a state-owned central organization to buy food for Germany in forging countries during, during the war years. Later, Warburg was attacked by anti-Semitists for his, this activity. Oh, okay, uh, now that doesn't make any sense. Uh, if he's buying food for Germany, you know, for the German people during the war years, why would, uh, why would the German people attack him for that, unless the, the Germans would say, well, why is a Jew in charge of getting our food, right? Maybe that's why. Back to you. Yeah. Um, together with his brother, Felix M. Warburg, who was a successful banker in the U U.S. Here we have him. He was mm -hmm. in the U.S. Yeah, uh, yeah. And while this war is going on, they're playing both sides, as they always yes. do. Yeah. Uh, Max M. Warburg organized financial aid for Jews in Eastern Europe. Uh, was this the one in the pale? Mm, probably, yeah, sure. Um, as the war led to increasing anti-Semitism. Now, Warburg why would that be? Why, why would that be? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, do, do people in those days know more about the Jews than people today? <laughs> Apparently uh, so. And, and they have no comments upon this. Oh, he mm -hmm. just increased anti-Semitism. No yeah. comments on what? Exactly. Um, Warburg started to ask officials to protect Jews against discrimination. Uh, retribution, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, so uh, throughout history, Jews have subverted every country on the face of the earth especially Western nations, okay, as they're doing to America and all of Europe today. So in those days, it was more common knowledge because people would talk about it and Jews didn't have total control of mass media as they do today. So in those days, it was common knowledge. You know, Poles knew the Jews were subversives. Germans knew the Jews were subversives. Brits knew the Jews were subversives, etc., etc. Okay, they had just started moving over to America, and the American people were not the Jew savvy yet. Back to you. Yes. Okay. During the war, Warburg came to be one of the leading figures to advise German politicians, diplomats, 
and the military financial matters. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Now we have the ears of the leaders. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and despite the fact that uh, Germany are uh, mistrusting Jews, nevertheless, he was in this highly powerful position, right? Both the War- uh, Warburg brothers, highly powerful position. Why should there be anti-Semitism if Jews are trusted with these positions? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. In October 1918, he was appointed a financial advisor to the Chancellor, Reich Chancellor, uh, Prince Max von Baden. In 1919, Warburg served um, the German delegates during the negotiations on the Versailles Peace Treaty as an economic specialist. No, he dictated. (laughs) He dictated the terms for Germany in fact, against Germany. That's what he did. Because the the Versailles Peace Conference blamed the entire war on Germany, and that was the Jews involved in the... uh, Every single delegation to the Versailles Peace Conference was headed by Jews, and the the Zionists themselves had their own delegation to the Versailles Peace Treaty. So that was totally Jewish, absolutely 100% Jewish. And the German people realized afterwards that this was the stab in the back. The Versailles Peace Conference was the stab in the back against Germany, who did not start the war, but nevertheless got the blame for it. Back to you. So you say uh, Max Warburg was the one with the dagger in his hand. There you go. That's right. And here, Warburg preferred to keep a low profile. Yeah, I wonder why. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, when uh, Walther um, Rathenau asked him in early 1922 to join the cabinet um, Reich Reichsregierung, I cannot pronounce that's a leadership or or administration, the Reich's administration. Thank you. Mm -hmm. As Minister of uh, Finance, he refused it. Saying yeah. that Jewish minister will be will be too much for Germany. <laughs> two two Jews is too many. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. One Jew is too many. Um, after the assassinations, uh, as, assassination of Dartenau, um, the murderers planned also to kill Warburg. Uh, so, uh, night- now, why would they kill Rathenau? Was Rathenau a Jew also? It's a little uh, bracket and something, not a bracket, but, uh, yeah, it's a star there, so I don't know if something they marked in the text here. Um, hmm. After the explanation, oh, okay, I read that. In 1924, he was appointed a member of the board, um, Generalrat of the Reichsbank. The Warburger Bank was still one of the most important banking companies in Germany. From the late 1920s on, Warburg intensified his interest in Zionism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, 1922, Walter Rathenau, German-Jewish uh, statesman, it says here, Britannica, industrialist, philosopher who organized Germany's economy on a war footing during World War One. So we have another German-Jew high-ranking in the uh, government of Germany, and yet 
the Jews continually insist that the German people are anti-Jewish. You can't prove it by pre-war Germany or even wartime Germany. Jews are all over the place running the administration. Back to you. Yeah, they did. And Germany was one of the nations that, that gave them most, I guess, gave, was most, um, yeah. what do you say, they gave them much. Re- very yeah, much. well, and they gave them refuge, uh, you know, the ones who were escaping from Russia because of their communist activities. Germany gave them refu- refuge, okay? And these uh, Russian Jews were the ones who tried to instigate the Bolshevik coup in Germany right after World War I, okay? This is what happens when you uh, treat Jews nicely. Yes, so here, the last, last part here then. From World War One on, his brother Felix M. and Paul M. Warburg opened the doors to the leading financial circles in North America for their brother. This was, again, especially helpful when Germany urgently needed fresh capital during the world economic crisis between 1930 and 1932. Um, After the Nazis came to power in Germany, the Warburg Bank came under increasing pressure. Max M. Warburg focused on helping Jewish immigrants to get their money out of Germany via the uh, Pal- uh, Palestine uh, Trihand uh, GMB. After Warburg Bank was closed by the National Socialist, Warburg himself immigrated in 1938 to New York, where he died. New York, this uh, world center of Jewry. Okay. So, despite uh, the so-called anti-Semitism of the German people, Jewish bankers were everywhere. Now, of course, we see that uh, uh, these Jewish bankers are the ones who created the economic crisis <laughs> called the Weimar Republic, right? They created that crisis, a hyperinflation created by Jewish bankers in Germany after the war, Okay. Of course, this uh, Jewish website does not admit any of that, okay? It just says, oh, well, you, know, you got to realize all these Jews were in Germany to help Germany, right? Never mind that they were communists and bankers. Now, isn't it interesting, Michael, that wherever we look in history, we have Jewish banksters cooperating with Jewish communists? Yeah, they are, they are on the same pages. Mm-hmm. Yes. Always, yeah. Same as you see today in the Antifa. In I mean, both in um, in, uh, in George Soros. Yeah. Yeah. George Soros. He is the one financing them. And yes. The one that that does. Many of them could also be white Caucasian, but they doesn't know that they have been they've yeah. been tricked. Yeah. It's the same. So uh, George Soros is the uh, Jew, uh, is the current version of Max Warburg. <laughs> Right? That's what he is. Or Felix Warburg, because he's operating in America. It doesn't really matter where the Jews operate. They've always been internationalists, and uh, as they admit in so many articles, they have the ear of the top leadership of every country. But only the Jews have that. In other words, they have become advisors to uh, politicians everywhere. And nobody else has that kind of power, yet they still claim to be persecuted. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's because we are, I guess, they cannot do freely what they want to do, so then they're persecuted. Right, 
they claim to be, <laughs> right? <laughs> Until they take over, then we're persecuted. In fact, we're persecuted constantly by them, whether they have totally taken over or not. That's what COVID is all about. It's a, it's a Jewish assault against the white race. And uh, we just have to keep pushing that narrative until people finally understand that COVID is just the ongoing uh, you know, war of extermination against the Aryan people of the planet. That's what it is. Back to you. Okay, so let's pick it up in the 1919 U.S. War Department investigation. And um, I'm going to try to find out what exact page, but uh, this is the PDF that we have. Uh, in the middle of page 18, uh, where it says an editorial in the New York Times of July 25th, 1919. Okay, go ahead and pick it up from there. Um, yes, so um, in the editorial of the New York Times of July 25th, 1919, it is frankly admitted that the rights granted to the Jews in Poland will not be tolerated for a moment in this country and offers the weak excuse for deferations that our immigrants came here voluntarily, while the racial minorities in Eastern Europe have been there for thousands of years. This utterly misses the real point of the um, criticism, going to the ultimate justice of the right granted. Yes. Of the right granted. Okay, well, before you... Uh, do, do the quotation from the Times, as we have said many times, just because you're a refugee, and, and most of these refugees even today are fake refugees, right, who are coming into our countries in order to subvert our countries, uh, integration does not work, folks. It simply does not work. But the claim is that integration works, and therefore we should invite all of these non-whites, anti-Christians, and Satanists, and uh, every shade of uh, anti-Christian under the sun. We should invite them into our countries to make our countries better. Right? That, that's the argument. But, of course, we know that's a big lie. And so the, uh, uh, the writer said, this utterly misses the real point of the criticism going to the ultimate justice of the rights granted. No, we have no obligation to grant rights to people who are anti-Christians and have no intention of uh, being good citizens of America. No, no way. Back to you. Mm -hmm. Yes. So let's continue what the quote says here. And as I said, they... If you look at the, the um, when the Jewish, uh, what to say, when that pop population sets down a nation, they want to keep to themselves. They only right. doesn't want to integrate. They want to keep their ways of lives and see they are an, a nation within a nation. Yeah, and that's proof that they will never assimilate, and that when they ever, whenever they enter a nation, they do not ever intend to become full citizens of that country. That's why they stick to themselves. And this has been proven out historically time after time. Yet the Jews always claim that we will be good citizens once we settle in your country. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> hmm. let's con okay, let's see here. Says the Times, and it's a quote, those in this country who have fe um, feared... Uh, fear it. That our fear it. participations yeah. in this agreement will make it easy for European nations to demand similar 
liberties for naturalized citizens in this country and thus make impossible any attempts at real Americanization are somewhat uh, undue, undue alarm. Most of the rights included in the term, quote, cultural autonomy, end quote, are already possessed by everybody in America. Okay, well, I have to remember that America at this point in time was almost exclusively white. In fact, it was exclusively white. And the cultural autonomy that he's referring to is, well, the Irish had their neighborhoods, the Germans had their neighborhoods, you know, the Poles had their neighborhoods, etc. But they were all white, and they agreed with the principles of representative government under the Constitution, which the Jews never have. So I would say, no, they're not uh, unduly alarmed. They're tremendously alarmed. Whenever Jews enter a nation, they always set up, as you said, their state within a state. Back to you. Yes, um, some of them are not. Uh, the provisions for separate schools in which the uh, mother tongue of the pupils is pupils. the language of pupils. pupils. Students, yeah. Uh, yeah, is the language of instruction. Uh, through the language of the state must also be taught and thought such uh, okay. satisfaction yeah right so they're uh they're demanding uh, to have their own language isn't that what the jews always do <laughs> right how are they going to integrate into our society if they don't speak our language and they no, insist they... that the mexicans and the uh blacks the haitians they all speak their language too and we're supposed to kowtow to their language and change our culture for them Hmm. I guess that's what they mean by integration. Yeah, that's what because it's the same here in this here in Sweden as well. Yeah. When the originals they have to teach both languages, so not Swedish alone. Yeah. Uh, would only uh, uh, perpetuate a condition which German immigrants have have brought about in some parts in this country, but. The further provisions that such schools should receive part of the state uh, funds would, of course, be inadmissible here. Though we have heard in the last year or two of American public schools in which German is about the only language known to teachers and uh, pupils. Pupils, yeah. Such pupils. Such guarantees will also uh, perpetuate. The, perpetuate. Uh, yeah. Perpetuate. Uh, the forging language press. Okay, now it is true. Now, if you're talking about real Germans here, okay, yeah, they had their own German language newspapers, and uh, we still do today, right? We still have German language newspapers. However, the, these Germans have always fully integrated into American society and believing in American constitutional law. The Jews have never done so. Absolutely never. Okay, all right, back to you. No, they want to change it to democracy. Democracy, right. That they rule behind the scenes. Amen. That's the same here. We were, mm -hmm. uh, uh, what do you say, uh, a Republican mon what do you say, monarch. So right. where our king had, had, had the powers, he can kick them out if they uh, harass the people. That's no, right. It's not possible anymore. Because no. that's why they want to get to our monarchs. Because yeah, they were they, our... Didn't they assassinate one or more of your kings also? Oh, uh, yeah, they did. Uh, uh. Gustav, Gustav III, he was assassinated. 
by uh, Ankerström, and he was a Freemason. Uh-huh. And his chest is in the in the same room in France. We understand Masonic Masonic uh, lodge, and he's beside the murder of Julius Caesar. Yeah. Spoiler alert says, press three for Yiddish. <laughs> I don't know if you might not be familiar, Michael, but here in America, because the Spanish language has been pushed so hard, when you call a bank or a corporation and you get an answering machine and the machine says, oh, press one for English, press two for Spanish, and now he says, press three for Yiddish. Back to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but Yiddish is their language. They that's right. They doesn't speak Hebrew. They mm-hmm. doesn't speak Hebrew. Never done. Yeah, that's right. So, and that's also something they flummox us with. Um, so, but no racial group in America has any reason or right to claim privilege such as are provided in the Polish treaty, since they are all recent immigrants who of their own choice came to a country which had its own instructions and used the English language. The racial minorities of Eastern Europe have dwelt alongside other people and inter- intermingled beyond any hope of complete separation for hundreds and sometimes thousands of years. Yeah, well, but we're talking about exclusively white people, okay? The, the Jews in Poland, right? Uh, this is part of the Versailles Treaty, uh, wanted their own rights for their own, you know, cultural uh, autonomy, all right, within the Polish nation. Why? Well, again, well, this is the problem. Uh, when, whenever a non-Christian minority demands full and equal rights. They were always going to vote against the Christian majority, which and then subvert the Christian majority, which the Jews have always done. And so, Mr. Marshall, who is the uh, Jewish uh, communist, who was high-ranking here in America, is essentially saying, "Well, we Jews, because we we chose to move here without your permission, right? Without your welcome. Now that we're here, we want to change your society for you. Isn't that nice?" No, no, that's not nice. Mm-hmm. And their tactics is not uh, in uh, what to say. Their tactics are so cunning. So they, yeah, they, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They I mean, always use- absolute deception. You know, first they they plead poverty, uh, plead persecution. See, we got kicked out of five hundred countries. Won't you let us in? They're all they're all persecuting us, right? And then when they let them in, then the, the people get uh, totally subverted, you know, and, and, and tyrannized by Jewish banksters and Jewish press and, and Jewish uh, mafia, Jewish criminality, etc., etc. This is how it goes, because our people are nice and the Jews aren't, and nice people can't figure out why would other people not be nice, right? They just can't figure that out and never, never suspect it. But that is the, the fact of the matter, folks. Our people are are dumb sheeple, and they believe the lies that, that any you know any con artist who comes along, they believe the lies of the con artists, such as Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and Jewry. It's just you know our people are dumb sheeple. They got to wake up. Yeah. Back to you. Yeah, that's why we're here, and they are mm-hmm. blue, they are blue eyed. They they yeah, right. because <laughs> they would have, they would never do something yeah. like that. Yeah, right. Why would they do that. Okay, now, 
Of course, the blacks refer to us as blue-eyed devils. But you're talking about, when you say blue-eyed, you're, you're talking about a Swedish slang term for being, uh, what, gullible? Yeah, gullible. Isn't that, yeah, blue-eyed means gullible in Sweden. Yeah. Okay, folks? Yeah. That's, All right. That's what I like to say. You're blue-eyed. You're too blue-eyed. Yeah. You, yeah. Wake up. Wake up, you blue-eyed, uh, what? Not devil. <laughs> blue-eyed blue sheeple. <laughs> right? All right. Blue yeah. Blue-eyed blue angels. Wake up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, in further reactions to Mr. Marshalls, uh, the following additional facts are of interest. Uh, bracket one and bracket on June the 7th, the department issued a statement giving a summary of Mr. Gibson, Gibson's report to the effect that the stories as the pogroms were greatly exaggerated. Amen. Yes, they were. Same as this COVID nonsense. Uh, they, were, they were totally made up. <laughs> Not just exaggerated. It wasn't a word of truth to them at all. No, because you can't believe anything in that rag. Yeah, that's right. And the uh, bracket too, and bracket. On June the 10th, Mr. Marshall gave out in Paris a report from his personal representative in Poland, in which it has it was st uh, stated, eight, and as a quote, in its uh, horror and system, the acts recalled the worst epochs, epochs of the Middle Ages. Yeah. And, quote. Yeah, Jewish rhetoric. Totally, totally creating a crisis out of nothing. Oh, COVID. Huh, another crisis made out of absolutely nothing. Then our people believe in the lineup in fear to get the jab. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to talk, yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah but, but it's, not, it's not Jews dying. <laughs> so, that, so the mass media doesn't care. Yeah, and also because of our gullibility. Yeah. That's again, gullibility. Amen. Yeah. yeah, people are dying, but they're always done of the influenza, of other illnesses. And just because they rebrand it as a COVID, it's not a pandemic, it is fake. I mean, same, in, same in Sweden. During 2020, we had zero cases of influenza cases. During the, the year before, we had maybe approximately, I don't remember the numbers now, 10,000, and now it's zero. Oh. Have we cured influenza? Mm -hmm. And people don't see it. They don't look at it. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, the, the gullibility of the white race primarily be – well, actually, Judeo-Christianity has a lot to do with it, too, because the false claim that Jesus loves everybody. And if Jesus loves everybody, then we Christians, we have to love everybody, too, right? That that's uh, you know limp limp wisted Christianity is what it is. Uh, first, uh, I, I remember there was a time when uh, oh this is about ten years ago now when uh, Chicago hosted the Gay Games, right? And uh, so we were standing out there. In fact, it was a, an incredible experience because uh, the police were ready for us. And we set up our, our placards and you know, put our coolers in the middle there because it was a really hot day. And then as soon as we started demonstrating, the police set up a fence around us for our protection. <laughs> right? So thank you very much, Chicago police. And then so these three young, gullible, white Christians came up and said, you people are bigots and racists. 
Jesus loves everybody. And so I said to you know the three of them, really? Chapter and verse, please. And they, they were quiet. Yeah, yeah, they were quiet. They couldn't think of the verse. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, so, so fat, bald guy says, the word gullible is uh, not the only word not found in the English dictionary. But he says later, well, it's a it's a joke for those who are gullible enough to look it up. <laughs> All right. Oh, how about anti-Semite? Yeah. Now, I, wait a minute. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Now, uh, wait. What What is an anti-Semite? I mean, uh, let's, let's look back to Genesis chapter 12. You know, uh, Abraham was a Shemite, direct, direct descendant of Shem, right? Okay, so the Ishmaelites, who are also descended from Abraham, have to be Shemites. Okay, the Saxons, who are direct descendants of Isaac through Abraham, therefore must also be Shemites. The Indo-Aryans, descended from Abraham and Keturah, are therefore also Shemites. So what in the world is a Semite, Michael? Yeah, it's one one of the white Caucasian people, or also as you pointed out, the, the pure uh, pure of Ishmaelites. They are Shemites, but the mm-hmm. Jews are not Shemites. Yeah. They are Edomite Khazars. So the, why are they always accusing us of the things they sem- they they, right, they yeah. themselves are? Could it be there's been an identity theft going on here? <laughs> right? When it's so obvious that all of these different peoples are in fact Shemites, yet the Jews use the word anti-Semite to exclusively apply to themselves. You know, this is thoroughly uh, unhistorical and unbiblical. Yet, because our people are so ignorant of biblical history, and I'm not talking about all Christians and and many white people who are not Christians as well, simply totally ignorant of historical episodes that are described in the Bible, that they simply believe the Jewish lie that, well, only Jews are Semites. Right? So therefore, if you no. use the word anti-Semite, it means uh, you're anti-Jewish. But it's a ridiculous it's a ridiculous proposition. Back to you. Yeah, it is. And they are accusing um, accusing the one uh, they are accusing, they are saying exactly what they are, because they are the worst anti-Semites. <laughs> right. There you go. That's correct. So they are accusing us of the same thing they are themselves. Right, right. Exactly. Now, in, yeah, interestingly, the uh, the word Gentile, which is always used by the Jews to imply non-Jews, okay? If you look it up in an English dictionary, here's here's one for fat bald guy. I hope he's got a big, a really big English dictionary. That once upon a time the word Gentile meant a non-Christian. That's one of the definitions of Gentile in my big Webster Merriam-Webster dictionary which goes back to the 1940s, okay? And one of the definitions is Christians use the word Gentile to refer to non-Christians. That makes the Jews Gentiles, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) Okay. All right, folks. This is how if you play with words and change the definition of the word over time, you can fool people into believing anything. Yeah. So, I don't know, I'm paraphrasing, but if you can believe people 
in uh, in absurdity, then you can make them do uh, abs- to do commit atro- atrocity. Yes, and absurdities <laughs> as well, right? Yeah, and uh, atrocities are the worst of the absurdities. Uh, it's just simply amazing how the Jewish and this is a Jewish tactic for the last two thousand years. How uh, our people never learn from history; they simply never learn. And the Jews are always rewriting history to ma- make sure that we don't learn. All oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And they and they they learn from history, unfortunately. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they keep the real history books side by side with their fake history just to make sure they don't get easily caught when they actually change history, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, like the time that they tried to when uh, they had a uh, a memorial at the nine eleven grounds. Uh, the statue of Iwo Jima, okay, where they put uh, a couple of black soldiers <laughs> in that statue, which was there were there were no black soldiers there, folks. It was all white soldiers, and uh, you know the memorial. If you've seen that, the original memorial shows only white soldiers, but then the Jews tried to insert black soldiers. It, you know, it's a historically false representation. Yeah. But they will try again until That's, they... Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll continue. And, you know, they take the statues of Robert E. Lee. They even want, they even want to take the statue of Lincoln and Washington down. Right? I mean, it's just uh, incredible. They absolutely want to destroy white America. Culturally, yeah. that's genocide, folks. According to the UN you know, Genocide Convention, destroying a people's cultural heritage is genocide. Yeah, but that doesn't apply to us. It applies no. to everybody else, but not to white people. But, by the way, we are not humans. We are Adamites, so maybe that's the kicker. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's applied to all humans. Human, you know, the one with colors, but not to the Adamites. Right. Maybe that's speaking with words. <laughs> yep, that's why we need the absolute correct definitions of every word and not fake definitions that you get from academia and jury. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's continue then. Mm-hmm. So number three, this was followed by June the 17th, uh, 7th, uh, 17th by a statement from Mr. Marshall making a bitter and uh, virtue imperative uh, attack on Mr. Gibson and charging that uh, Gibson's report is, oh, it's a quote, Gibson's report is uh, necessarily based on the merest um, her- heresy. Hearsay, hearsay, rumor. Hearsay, parrot yeah. uh, like uh, repetition of what has been told him in court circles, end quote. By court circles, he means, uh, you know, the, the establishment. Okay, the white establishment. Uh-huh. Many uh-huh. specific. Um, charges of uh, cruelty were also set out, including uh, several which have since been reported by Mr. Gibson's unfounded. Okay, so Mr. Gibson stated that the uh, reports of uh, Jews being uh, slaughtered and persecuted in Poland are highly exaggerated. That's what he said, okay? And so now Mr. Marshall, who is a Jew, a Jew, a Zionist and a communist is now calling into question Mr. Gibson's honesty. Really? <laughs> Back to you. 
Yeah, but they also then, then I guess also they are then using uh, the sheeple's uh, feelings for people. Oh, people <laughs> are dying, you know, all yep. this. But they are, they are on their feelings, and feelings are not, yeah. they are not rational. That's right. <laughs> That's right, but uh, they're very effective. They appeal mm. to people's emotions, fear, hatred, uh, you know, sympathy, sympathy for those Jews in Poland who aren't being persecuted, right? But yeah, this is how, how easy it is to manipulate people. It's unbelievable how easy yeah. it is. And people that has not even been there believe. That's that. right. Exactly. Okay. This statement was played up in quote the Jewish Daily News end quote of New York uh, of June the 18th under the headlines. Mr. Gibson uh, indicated end quote the article stated. Okay, now I guess they smear him. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote, Mr. Louis Marshall, chairman of the Jewish delegation in Paris, has not permitted the grass to grow beneath his feet. No sooner did Mr. Hugh Gibson, whose uh, nominations as ambassador to Poland is now before the Senate, um, report to the State Department that there were no pogroms in Poland that Mr. Marshall set to work to show that Mr. Gibson, quote, has reported um, contrary to facts, end quote. Okay, through Mr. Charles A. Selden, the Paris correspondent of the New York Times, Mr. Marshall issued a statement giving chapter and verse of the atrocities committed against the Jews in Poland by the Poles themselves. From the statement which appears on this page, it will be seen that the Poles admitted the pogroms. What? Yet, Mr. Gibson never heard of pogroms or know anything of them. In other words, his report is an attempt to whitewash the Poles. See, well, he never read any Jewish propaganda about it. That's why he doesn't know about it. Right? Okay. I mean, so here's a perfect example of what happens when you allow Jews into your country. They will smear your politicians. They will smear your uh, religious leaders. They will assassinate your presidents and other political leaders. And then claim that the reason they, uh, if they, if you catch them in the act, they will claim, well, we were so persecuted in those other countries. Won't you let us in so we can persecute you? Subvert you, okay? This is how the Jew must be seen. It's always worked this way in history, and it will never end until Messiah returns and finally puts an end to it. Back to you. Yes, I meant that. We, mm. we need his return. Yes, right. In view of Mr. Marshall's statements and the attitude adopted by Mr. Gibson, we do not think the latter is the proper person to represent this country in Poland. His nominations is, as we have already said, now pending before the United States Senate. We have felt it uh, our duty to uh, uh, protest against Mr. Gibson's um, confirmation by the Senate and have sent the following telegram to Senators uh, Calder, Wadsworth and... uh, Okay, so these uh, foreigners called Jews now uh, pretend that they have the authority to tell the U.S. Senate how to vote. 
Okay. This is this yeah. is the effrontery of the international Jew, and uh, most Jews have the same type of effrontery. They care nothing for our laws, but are always attempting to, to subvert our laws and replace them with their own, the Kahila. The Kahila rule the state within the state. This is what the Jews have every, done in every nation on the face of the earth, especially white nations. And, and they have subverted and destroyed. That's why they've been kicked out of so many European nations. You know, at least 100, some say as many as 1,000. But we're talking about city-states as well. Back to you. Yeah, I guess the Kahala is now located in New York. Mm-hmm, that's right. So, Louis Marshall's um, indictment of Hugh Gibson, him deliberately reporting conditions in Poland contrary to facts as printed in today's New York Times. Yeah, and they want to make sounds like New York Times some kind of a credible, a credible right. source. Yeah, it, it was purchased by Jews. By this time, it was already in Jewish hands, okay? Uh, the original founder of the New York Times was not a Jew, but he sold out. Yeah, and because the Jews come with a lot of shekels, and he doesn't understand why. Yeah, right. Makes Mr. Gibson's unfit to be American ambassador in Poland. We appeal to you to block confirmation of his nominations. Yeah. This is what they do when someone goes steps in their way. They get rid of them. They don't want him to be ambassador anymore because he steps on on Jewish plans, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so quote here. We want to go on record that a man who in uh, total denies the wanton slaughter of human beings, of old men and women, of young girls and little children is not the man to whom should be entrusted. Oh, that sounds so, like he's talking about COVID again. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what's yeah. happening, folks. But because the Jews yeah. are responsible for it, oh, no, who advocates for the victims today of Jewish violence against the white race? Who's the advocate? Not too many. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. Not too many. Yeah, we, we try to we try to wake people up and warn them mm-hmm. of this danger. Um, it's not uh, to man to whom should be entrusted so important a, p- a post as the American ambassador in, uh, to Poland. Um, if the stories of the pogroms had been found to be untrue, we would have accepted Mr. Gibson's report. But uh, when he bases his finding upon merely hearsay, we must dissent. End quote. Uh, okay, in relation to the deliberate campaign to defeat Mr. Gibson, Gibson's confirmation shows in the above quotation added significance attaches to the uh, confidential report to the department from uh, Secretary Lansing contained in telegram number 2910 of June 26th, 5 p.m., that... Um, quote, Judge um, Brandis uh, and Felix uh, Frankfurter in conversation with Gibson yesterday um, intimidated that confirmation of his appointment by the Senate might be jeopardized by the nature of his report, which they stated had done great harm to the Jewish race, end quote. Hmm. 
more lies. That's <laughs> just constant lies. Unbelievable. Yeah, they make up this lie to get rid uh, to discredit Gibson, so he will be not be the ambassador in Poland. Amen. That's what they are doing now. Yes. Um, six. On June 19th, 1919, the American mission stated in a telegram to the department that Marshall and um, Cyrus Adler advised Ambassador uh, Morgenthau to uh, decline to serve on the President's uh, Commission to investigate pogroms against Jews and Jewish persecution. And Morgenthau, wasn't he also Jewish? That's right. Um, Uh, okay, uh, the, the fox is guarding the house. <laughs> um, quote, urging that new Jew be appointed, end quote. Okay, the telegram continued. Uh, quote, Mr. Morgenthau is in doubt and requests that you promptly ascertain the opinion of um, Schiff, Elicus, uh, Nathan Strauss, Weiss, Rosenwald, and... Samuel Lachman as <laughs> to his acceptance. All right, so more Jews, right? Yeah. Okay, right. Who cares about their opinion? They're not citizens. Yeah, but they they made a loud. They have a loud voice. Unfortunately, that's right. Yeah, a megaphone so, in the ear of our politicians. Yeah, and if they don't do what they want, they they make yeah. sure that they will do, or they get kicked out. That's right. Or murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, on June 23rd, 1919, the department sent uh, duplicate telegrams to Louis Marshall at Paris and Felix Frankfurter in London, conveying the following message from Judge Mack. But this is only Jewish name. That's right. Felix Frankfurter. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, so, quote, uh, All parties consulted advised Morgenthau to decline appointment. Schiff... Elkus, Mack, Rosenwald, Weiss, Nathan Strauss, in wire to President are suggesting postponement um, until his return of commission and legal and technical advisors. But if um, inadvisable suggested, he consult Marshall and Frankfurter before acting. So always We consult have... a Jew. Always consult a Jew. Yeah. <laughs> We have been allowed to see all of Gibson's um, uh, dispatches. Statement um, commented on by Marshall erroneously attributed to Gibson, who is short to do in Paris, have requested that Gibson's report be shown to Marshall. After seeing them and Gibson advised strongly additional statement by Marshall Mack, end quote. Okay, so it's really obvious that all these Jews are ganging up on Mr. Gibson, who dared to state that the uh, Polish uh, persecution of Jews is nothing but propaganda. Okay, so you oppose international Jewry, you get the treatment. Yeah, and their plans. Mm -hmm. So it seems quite possible that these Jewish leaders realize that an honest report will destroy the ammunition ammunition for their anti-Polish propaganda and show up more um, strikingly the utter unfairness of the attack on Mr. Gibson's confirmation. Amen. Well said. 
Okay, okay. but uh, this has happened a, a thousand times, if not 10,000 times, in American politics where a deserving person, a deserving white person, gets smeared by the Jews and therefore uh, a Jew takes his place. All right. Okay. This is how yeah. it works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, this is then part six of the power and aims of international jury. Okay. This is not us speaking, folks. This is the 1919 military report of the U.S. War Department. Okay. Back to you. Yeah. So, number seven. On July the 24th, Mr. Marshall stated that, quote, the, or, the horror of the pogroms in Poland and Ukraine will uh, stagger the world. When the truth becomes known, tens of thousands of Jews have been killed. The pogroms were not so much the result of an organized movement as they were the outgrowth of unsettled anti-anarchists' uh, tendencies, anarchistic tendencies in the countries where they occurred. They found expressions in attacks on the Jews. Mm-hmm. Okay. End quote. Um, uh, herefore, he has never mentioned the Ukraine in his interviews, except very caution. Um, is this, yeah, not, is, I thought, is this because of the now not really yet, if uh, this was time when they want to uh, smear, I guess, the Ukraines because they didn't, they didn't go under the um, what I say the Soviet Union. They didn't want to be uh, be yeah. They were very nationalistic, but it was right. later. Yeah, yeah, and of course the uh, pogroms against the Ukrainian people by Jews by the Bolsheviks is denied by the Jews and it's never reported by mainstream media. Okay, I mean so this gives you it's a glaring example of the double standard where real pogroms against non-Jews go unaccounted for in the mainstream media, and then fake pogroms against the Jews are endlessly promoted, such as the Hoaxacost. Okay. On August the 1st, 1919, Mr. Marshall made public the following telegram dated July the 13th, 1919, from Leo Motkin, secretary of the quote, Combined Jewish Committee of the World at Paris. So here's a quote. Yeah. Suckerman arrived and confirms former communications. He reports uh, new and terrible pogroms which occurred during uh, June at uh, um, Kamenets, uh, Podolsk, um, Kit, uh, Kitai uh, Kitaigorod, something like that. Kitai- Oh, and this I can't pronounce. Yearning, yearning. <laughs> yearning. Et cetera. Oh, sorry. Et cetera. Et cetera. Et cetera. That's the one. Ah, okay. Yeah. Et cetera. Uh, the latest news is certified by three rabbis and by <laughs> others. <laughs> really? Uh, if anything is certified by three rabbis, you know it's fake. <laughs> And by other Jewish representatives at uh, uh, Kutain. I know these men who are from the Ukraine. They state that altogether 120,000 have been killed. In uh, Proskorofa alone, 3,964 inhabitants of numerous passing people have been killed and 2,000 wounded. 
among the killed were 1,500 school children. Ukraine, um, Judaism, fear, total ex extermination. It is impossible to sh check the exact figures. In all the pogroms, undoubtedly, dozens of thousands have been massacred, end quote. Okay, so and what evidence has been given for these claims? None. They just make these numbers up. Yeah. And just like really the COVID. Yeah. yeah, just like the COVID numbers are made up. Okay. And then they refuse to report the deaths and injuries from the jab. The Gates jab, okay? It's same thing all over again, folks. It never ends. Until our people wake up, it will never end. Back to you. Yeah, it's the same tactics again. Mm -hmm. yeah. The department has in its files a dispatch uh, and a bracket, uh, henceforth referred to on page 17, uh, end bracket, dated April the 2nd, 1919, from the American commissioner at Constantinople, quoting Rabbi um, Titlebaum, in which he stated hundreds of thousands of Jews have been killed and wounded in Ukraine, and that 5,000 were killed in um, Proskurov alone. This information undoubtedly came to Mr. Marshall in April. Why then has the story remained unpublished all this month? It is asserted by the Poles to uh, to be because such a publication would have weakened, if not utterly destroyed, the case which they claim the Jews were so laboriously building up in support of their minority rights in Poland. Yeah, that that was their 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 aim with all this mm -hmm. minority rights in Poland. Right, and then you know, and uh, in the interim, the Jews have taught other so-called minorities to demand their rights, even though they had nothing to do with the creation of America, and they, they don't believe in representative government. <laughs> All right, so these are the people we're supposed to respect and honor when they absolutely have nothing to do and don't have any intention of supporting America. Yeah. So on August the second. 1919, the day following the publications of the above telegram, the Ukraine National Committee in New York issued a statement in part as follows. Quote, there are not and have not been pogroms in Ukraine outside of zone of, uh, of Bolshevism. Oh, now that's an interesting statement. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wild. Outside, yeah, right. Uh, because who who was getting pogromed? Ukrainians, not Jews. Yes, exactly. That's mm -hmm. what they are saying here. Yep. While unfortunately, it probably is true that there have been many innocent victims of lawless bands in Ukraine, just as there have been Jewish victims of Polish um, sol soldiery in uh, Galicia. The killings are the works of the Bolshevik and the Bolsheviks alone. Amen. All right. A true statement, plainly made. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, that's true, because it was mm -hmm. the Bolsheviks that was the murderers. Um, so, quote, the Ukraine People's Republic has granted autonomy to all national minorities, including the Jews. Special privileges have been granted the Jews and Member of the race are not only members of the General Rada, but are included in the ministry. 
Okay, why special, special privilege? That's right. Yeah. The Ukrainian uh, paper money ever bears inscriptions in Jewish character. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, then we see who's Yiddish. the bank. Y- y- Yiddish, Yiddish money. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Funny money. Funny money. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> It is significant fact that the Ukraine Jews have never raised a single uh, protest against uh, Petlura governments, but have always supported it uh, heartily. Nevertheless, and, the international Jews claim that there are pogroms against Jews going on. Why haven't the local Ukrainian Jews ever said so? No, they and they <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so quote uh, Petlura, of course has not been able to prevent pogroms in the portion of Russian Ukraine con- controlled by the Bolshevik or the part of uh, Galatian Ukraine overrun by Polish imperialists. He is making progress in both sections. However, and when he has um, restored the entire Ukraine te- uh, uh, territory to the Ukraines, there will be no massacres in Ukraine. End quote. But there will never be any end to Jewish lies about pogroms. That will never no. stop. No, they're harping on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether the cooperation between the Jews and the Ukraines um, here show is born simply in their mutual hatred of the Poles, or whether, in addition, the Ukraines are receiving financial support from the Jews, it is in any case, uh, particularly interesting just now when the department is being flooded with anti-Polish protests from the Ukraines and Lithuanians in this country and in Canada. Right. It's an organized propaganda campaign, period. Yeah. At least one group of the Ukraines were openly pro-Germans and pro-Austrian during the war. And there is... Uh, evidence that in this connection it should be recalled that the Ukraine separatist movement was started by Austria. Okay. And as to the Lithuanians and their relations with the Jews here in America may be cited the full page ad which appears in the New York Times, New York World, Chicago Tribune, Boston Post and Washington Post on June the 3rd and fourth, 1919, uh, protesting against Polish imperialism and Jewish massacres. Um, in this ad appears uh, a le- letter from the Lithuanian National Council to the Secretary of the American Committee for the Defense of the Jews in Poland, which contains the following. So, a quote. Your cases is your, your, our... Your, your causes... Co- your cause, your cause is our cause as well. Yeah, your cause is our cause as well. The cause of all oppressed people, the world ever strikes a uh, repon- responsive uh, chord, chord. chord in chord. our hearts. Of course, the in Jews know know that emotion uh, appeals to emotion re- strike responsive chords in everybody's hearts, <laughs> except the Jewish hearts because they have no heart. But they play on everybody else's. Uh, that's right. They but play our have... hearts like a like a violin. Yeah. 
but you have in common with us the uh, additional fact that you oppressors are also our oppressors. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, more propaganda sounds like this is sure. just appealing parts. Okay, so quote, using Bolshevism as a pretext, Poland has invaded and is now occupying large parts of Lithuania. Its troops are there indulging in atrocities so horrible that the entire uh, liberal opinion of the world stands uh, aghast and raises the query once more whether Poland can really be trusted with the power of self-government. But uh, Poland was created by the Jews at Versailles. Okay. Yeah. It's a, Pol- it's a Jewish is, creation. Yeah, but all this is for their minority rights, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because uh, the nation thus created wasn't uh, friendly enough with the Jews. Now, remember, the, all of this propaganda goes hand in hand with anti-German propaganda to the effect that uh, German soldiers were tossing babies into the air and catching on, on the tips of their spears, right, and all kinds of atrocity tales against Germany during World War One and now after World War One. All of those atrocity tales have been shown to be fake, false Jewish propaganda, okay? Then in World War Two, they just dredged up all this fake propaganda all over again, and use it against the German people. Here it's being used against the Polish. Polish, back to you. Yeah, the same thing goes again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how serious is the nationwide boycott against all Jews and Jewish goods? Recently uh, started by the Americans of Polish descent and their Slavic synthesizer. Synthesizer, yeah. The foreign language bury of the go- uh, government loan organization of the United States Treasury in a report of June the 4th, 1919 states, uh, quote, the demonstrations of May the 24th participated in by the Jewish people, although the United States in the form of public protest against the persecution of Jews in Poland has uh, produced on the part of the Polish populations in the USA, nearly 4 million, a well-managed, quietly conducted commercial and financial boycott of all Jewish merchants and vendors. That's very interesting. I never heard of that. But the Poles have every right to do that. You know, the Jews boycotted Germany. (laughs) Why can't the Poles in America boycott the Jews? Yeah, of course, but now, you know, now we're using our means against us. You're not allowed mm-hmm. to do that. It's only for us. Yeah, that's right. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like little children. They are so childish. Right. Uh, both sides of the um, um, controversy have had ample public hearings in the press of the USA. The Poles pr- uh, privately maintained that the Jews are... Uh, this uh, appointed in the development of Poland into a free and independent nation as the ambition of Jewish leader for many generations has been make of Poland a Jewish economic state commanding the commercial and financial channels uh, of Eastern Europe under a German uh, protector. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Uh- yeah, we had an interview with Barbara Novak a couple of weeks ago on Restoration Hour in which she documented that the Jews have been in control of Poland 
since 1025 AD, okay, uh, where they have assassinated many J- uh, Polish leaders and uh, obtained favor from Polish barons and uh, diplomats, kings and queens, to have the monopoly on tax collection, money lending, and liquor production, okay? So somehow, at the Versailles Treaty, this monopoly over Poland escaped them. Maybe they were focusing too much on oppressing Germany, because that's what the Versailles Treaty was all about, was to oppress Germany. So Poland uh, slipped through their grasp, and you actually had a nationalistic Polish, Polish government take power. And so now the Jews are bemoaning the fact that they have lost control of Poland and want to get that control back. That's the situation here, folks. Back to you. Yeah, that's probably true. They they are about losing their power. So now, mm-hmm. now they have used all their power to get it back. Yeah. Um, be that as it may, the Polish resentment of the Jewish propaganda against them is deep and bitter, and their spirit of reta- retaliations in this country proceeds against the Jewish pocketbook. The boycott is now well advanced, although this country and is active in every channel of trade, extending even to places of amusement. Okay, this this partially explains why the Jews in America hate the Polish people so much. I mean, it's it's amazing. The Jews really hate Poles with a vengeance. Maybe this is one of the reasons why. Back to you. In America? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this could be the reason. They have a very long memory. Mm-hmm. Who to hate. From another source came the information that other racial groups, namely Russians, Ukrainians, uh, Romani- uh, Romanians, Lithuanians, Czech- um, Czechoslovaks, uh, uh, Yugoslavs, uh, Finlanders, Let's all of the Slavic origin will join in the Jewish boycott. Operation for management of same are now underway. And okay, so the, the Jews in America were facing a real dilemma here, uh, you know, because again, as we said earlier, the uh, non-Jewish people of Europe understood how subversive the Jews really are. But that has been totally eradicated by total Jewish con- control of press here in America and in Western Europe and, of course, in, under communist dictatorship, which was also Jewish dictatorship. The people of the world, the white people of the world, have forgotten how evil the Jews really are. This document reminds us of how the evil the Jews really are. Back to you. Yes. Um the department has received a number of telegrams from the American Polish organizations calling attention to the danger of racial conflicts here and quote um, condemning the in sincere tactics of yeah, the insincere the insincere, insincere tactics yeah insincere yeah um, in a bracket see a particular telegram uh, from a mass meeting of fifteen thousand in Boston June the eighth nineteen nineteen. Um, representing 200,000 Polish Americans in Massachusetts and telegrams of June 5th, of the June 5th, 1990, from mass meetings at uh, Newark, uh, New York, I guess, New Jersey. Um, this last telegram also um, charges the, Jew- the Jewish employees 
in America have discharged Polish workers and Jewish landlords have evicted Polish uh, tenants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So wherever the Jews go, they create racial harmony. Isn't that what they claim? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but the claim doesn't match right? up the, the reality. Yeah, exactly. Did you pronounce that word Massachusetts? <laughs> Massachusetts. Massachusetts. No, I cannot really do it. Yeah. No, it sounded like you said Massachusetts. <laughs> Massive Jusets in, in Massachusetts, right? All right. So we're almost at the end of this article. And what an enlightening article this has been. Let's finish it off, Michael. Yes. If such oppressions is practiced on any large scale by American Jews. It will eventually strengthen the boycott movement among the American uh, Slavs and continue to fan the flame of mutual hatred between the two nationalities. Yeah. That's outstanding. That's what the Jews really do. Divide and conquer. Create racial antagonism between whites and blacks. Okay? Via the Democratic Party. And then they, they create new minorities such as the homosexuals and the transgenders and Martians, <laughs> you name it. They will exploit every possible minority group and inflame them against the white majority. If we allow this to continue much longer, we will no longer be the majority in America. Okay, this is the obvious intent of Jewish you know, uh, tactics here in America. Yeah, and the same tactics goes on here in Sweden as well. It's yes. nothing new. The same here. They do the same in every every uh, white nation. Yeah, and I mean, I, the, the Jews have to feel blessed that, uh, that none of these nations have risen up against them and slaughtered them. You know, it's because they still have the wool pulled over our eyes, and the average white person simply is oblivious to Jewish power and Jewish uh, subversion of their own countries. They're simply oblivious to it. Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. And this was this was very interesting for me because I didn't know about this. This is for me something new about this Polish about how this that it's going on, this that the that the Polish people in America did boycott mm -hmm. um, the Jews in yeah. America because of this. I had no idea. Yeah, neither did I. Uh, this is the first I've heard of it. You know, I, I had glanced over this document many years ago, I think early 1980s, but I didn't realize the importance of it. Uh, we're really, so th thanks for bringing us up, uh, Michael. This is a great study on Jewish power and Jewish intrigue going on in the world. You know, uh, well, actually since Genesis 3.15, right? It hasn't stopped since then, but it will stop. When, uh, when that day comes, when the second coming is here. But I think also Yahweh is uh, testing us to see uh, how many uh, Israelites of the one, uh, obviously we're going to have to have 144,000. Uh, he, he's testing the remnant to see, uh, are there enough faithful Israelites here in America to uh, you know, establish the, the kingdom and the government here, okay? And of course it's going to... Uh, restore the uh, dominance of the uh, Aryan race uh, created in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. All right, so, but in the meantime, the the people, the white people of the world are still duped, just like Eve was duped by Nakash into committing an act of race mixing, okay? Interestingly, it's not going well because uh, there's so, some very interesting facts about race mixed offspring 
the um, yeah, they don't have very large families, okay? And ultimately, black husbands will assault white wives, okay, or desert them and their families. That's a quite common occurrence. So that uh, that isn't going all that well. It it does work in the cities, somewhat among liberals, okay, but it doesn't work with the average white person. It simply doesn't, okay. They see what's going on. They see Black Lives Matter, how they behave, and how the blacks are total racist in their voting habits, okay. And and interestingly enough, I just read a report recently that stated that uh, of mixed uh, offspring, uh, black-white offspring, even in the black community, the mixed children are rejected, Okay, but the, the children really have no choice to but to live among the black community where, you know, they have a, a horrible time assimilating with the white population because they simply do not have the intelligence and the abilities of white people. And therefore, they feel they don't belong. This is admitted by a racial study, even by, you know, by evolutionists. <laughs> I'll have to dredge that. I'll see if I can find that. Uh, we can maybe do that in, in a next episode here. But uh, please continue. We have uh, just one more paragraph left. Oh, I did close down the, down the text now because I thought we were done. So. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, right. Uh, uh, did you read this? Uh, at this point, the document breaks off. There have been published. I did not read that one. Okay, so yeah, I'll just uh, since you closed it already. There have been published citations of this document, which indicate that it is of greater length and scope than the above produce, reproduced materials. A search is being conducted for the lost portions. If and when these materials are located, they will be posted on Papurex website. P A P U R E C, Papurex website. So this isn't even the whole document. They said there's portions of it that are missing, okay? And this is published at christiansfortruth.com, uh, WordPress, WP-content, uh, 1919 U.S. War Department investigation substantiates protocols of Zion PDF, okay? So every white person needs to read this document. Every Christian needs to read this document. It's proof of Jewish intrigue and subversion against white people and against Christianity, all right, it's just so obvious once you begin to know the truth. Okay, so uh, I, I looked up uh, the New York Times here, and let me just put this. Uh, this is just a, a Wikipedia uh, article on the New York Times because it was not started by Jews. <laughs> okay, uh, spoiler alert says, why did Adam and Eve persecute that poor snake? Yeah. That was a terrible thing for Adam and Eve to do, right? <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we're facing utter annihilation by the Jews while they still pretend to be persecuted. It's quite amazing, folks. But, you know, they have taken over the medical establishment. The Rockefellers started to do that with the Flexner Report in which they uh, proceeded to economically uphold any college that taught exclusively allopathic medicine and refused to teach homeopathy, you know, uh, um, uh, various other health modalities such as chiropractic and naturopathy, etc. So uh, the Jews went on to you know, promote allopathic medicine and vaccination, virus theory, and all that garbage. 
which now everybody believes is real medicine, but it isn't. <laughs> it simply isn't, okay? Anyway, this is the, the era of oppression, a medical oppression that we're living under right now. So uh, let me just back up here. I posted the link in the chat room that uh, I'll just start from on September 14, 1857, the newspaper officially shortened its name to the New York Times. The hyphen in the city name was dropped on December 1st, 1896. On April 21, 1861, the New York Times began publishing a Sunday edition to offer daily coverage of the Civil War. Very interesting. The main office of the New York Times was attacked during the New York City draft riots. The riots, sparked the institution by the institution of a draft for the Union Army, began on July 13, 1863. On Newspaper Row, across from City Hall, co-founder Henry Raymond stopped the rioters with Gatling guns. Whoa! Whoa! Now, now that, that's a strong arm. That's a tough editor. <laughs> All right. Of course, what business did they have attacking, you know, a, a newspaper office? Okay. Early machine guns, one of which he manned himself. The mob diverted. I believe so. Instead, attacking the headquarters of abolitionist publisher Horace Greeley's New York Tribune until being forced to flee by the Brooklyn City Police, who had crossed the East River to help the Manhattan authorities. Wow, I never heard of that, that the Gatling guns were used to uh, stop the rioters. Okay, well, it's kind of like in uh, Watts, the Korean and uh, other Oriental business owners in Watts uh, went on the rooftops and, and shot at the black rioters during the Watts riots. Okay. Mayor Daly gave the order to shoot to kill any rioters in Chicago in 19, uh, what, what year was it now? Uh, uh, 90, uh, sorry. It's 1969, I believe it was, something like that. Okay. Anyway, so, I mean, this is uh, common. You know, when, when people riot, it's lawlessness, and people have a right to defend their, their lives and property with guns. That's America, folks. All right? And this is why the Jews have had anti-Second Amendment propaganda constantly, nonstop, since the end of World War II. So, very interesting. So, in 1869, Henry Raymond died, and George Jones took over as publisher. The newspaper's influence grew in 1870 and 1871 when it published a series of exposés of William Tweed, leader of the city's Democratic Party, <laughs> right? popularly known as Tammany Hall from its early 19th century meeting headquarters. That led to, it's just like the Chicago machine, that led to the end of the Tweed Ring's domination of New York City Hall. Uh, that's fantastic. There was a time when the New York Times was a good newspaper. Tweed had offered the New York Times $5 million not to publish the story. I mean, talk about upright publishers. They refused a $5 million bribe. Do you think that will happen to a, an American newspaper today or any newspaper today, turning down a $5 million bribe? Uh, no. No? Okay. I have so, to believe that. So... At one point, however, the New York Times was purchased by Jews. That's what I was looking for. In the 1880s, yeah. Was that 1896? Uh, whenever, I think it was Joseph Pulitzer, the oh, Jew. Was the Sulzer barrier. Yeah. Sulzer barrier. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me uh, see if I can get to that. We have about five minutes left. I read uh, the, in the beginning of this article, papers owned by the New York Times Company, which is publicly traded. Mm-hmm. It has been governed by the Sulzenberry family since 1890. Oh, Sulzberger. Oh, okay. Very good. So the, the the Jews have owned it since 1896. Okay. So uh, so let's continue here because we need to know what happens to journalism when Jews control it. In the 1880s, the New York Times gradually transitioned from supporting Republican Party candidates in its editorials to becoming more politically independent and analytical. In 1884, the paper supported Democrat Grover Cleveland, former mayor of Buffalo and governor of New York, in his first presidential campaign. While this move cost the New York Times a portion of its readership among its more Republican readers, revenue declined from 188000 to 56000 from 1883 to 1884. The paper eventually regained most of its lost ground within a few years. Ox area, era, sorry. After George Jones died in 1891, Charles Ransom Miller and other New York Times editors raised $1 million, equivalent to $29 million in 2020, to buy the Times, printing it under the New York Times Publishing Company. However, the newspaper found itself in a financial crisis by the Panic of 1893, and by 1896, the newspaper had a circulation of less than 9,000 and was losing $1,000 a day. That year, Adolf Ox, the publisher of the Chattanooga Times, gained a controlling interest in the company for $75,000. Now, I'm pretty sure Ox was not Jewish. Maybe somebody in the chat room knows otherwise. Shortly after assuming control of the paper, Ox coined the paper's slogan, all the news that's uh, fit for Jews to print. (laughs) The slogan, I'm sorry, I paraphrased that. All the news that's fit to print. The slogan has appeared on the paper since September 1896 and has been printed in a box in the upper left-hand corner of the front page since early 1987. Uh, Sorry, 1897. The slogan was a jab at competing papers such as Joseph Pulitzer's, now he's Jewish, New York World and William Randolph Hearst, New York Journal, and uh, William Randolph Hearst was nothing but a, uh, you know, a fake journalist, which were known for the lurid, sensationalist, and often inaccurate reporting of facts and opinions described by the end of the century as yellow journalism, <laughs> right? Yellow journalism. So the, the New York World and the New York Journal were both Rags, kind of like, uh, what do you call the, uh, I'm sure you have them in Sweden as well, uh, like Midnight, I think is one of the yellow journalism rags in America. They publish all the lurid stuff, the, uh, you know, the sex scandals, the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, all, yeah. all, all, all the news isn't fit to print, <laughs> right? Yeah, but that's uh, what you call them. They call the Aftonbladet, and then you have Expressen, and yeah. Expressen is owned yeah. by, by the Jewish family Bonnier. And often bulletin owned by Shipset. Okay, yeah. So we we have the yellow journalism is alive and well all over the world, and it's owned by Jews. Okay. So and then finally, Van and uh, uh, oh sorry, under Ox guidance, aided by Carr Van Anda, the New York Times achieved international scope, circulation, and reputation. Sunday circulation went from under nine thousand in eighteen ninety six to seven hundred eighty thousand in nineteen thirty four. That took quite a while. Van Anda also created a newspaper's photo library, now colloquially referred to as the morgue. <laughs> I love it, the morgue. That's where that's where photographs go to die. 
Okay. So this, uh, so the uh, Sulzberger family, uh, I, I don't know about Ox, but uh, obviously it's been in Jewish hands since 1897, okay, or since 1896, okay. So I missed that uh, at the top, so thanks for pointing that out. All right, folks, you've uh, you had a really good uh, lesson on Jewish power and how it operates, how it comes into, into power, and how it never loses control. Uh, as, unless it's challenged by the nationalists of a particular nation. So thank you, Michael. Very enlightening series here on the 1919 military report on the protocols. Very good stuff, folks. Thank you, Michael. Take care. Praise Yahweh. Thank you very much. Uh, right. Praise Yahweh. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you again in about three weeks because I'm not going to be around the next two weekends. Ta- thank you and take care. Bye-bye.